It is written, but I tell you. Uh, big, big phrase Jesus was quite a fan of. He said this over and over again. Um, and again, when we see something written in the scriptures, we can pretty much assume that because Jesus was a teacher, that there were multiple times that he said this in multiple contexts, and we just get it recorded once or twice. But, uh, but Jesus said, it is written, but I tell you. And when he did that, he was suggesting that in the world there are constant assumptions all right, there are habits, there are ways of doing things, ways of thinking, ways of being that people get used to, right, that we assume, but Jesus says, listen up, I would like to change that, I'd like to challenge that. It is written, you've seen it, and the interesting things is that sometimes even when he says it's written, sometimes he was quoting the, uh, the Old Testament that he wanted to redefine, but sometimes he added some things as like this this like, and this is what you've come to understand it as, you know, you, you've taken it too far in the wrong direction, but I'm going to tell you something new. So really, essentially, what discipleship is, is discipleship is hearing Jesus say, I know that you think this, I know you assume this, I know that these are your habits, but I'm going to give you something different. I'm going to give you something fresh and new that teaches you more about God's heart in a way that you might not have seen it before, all right? And so discipleship is literally letting Jesus form us, becoming disciples, becoming better followers, becoming people that look like Jesus. Um, so the question, uh, it has to come up in our minds as we continue. We're on kind of our third week of talking about stress and, and the ways in which Jesus desires to set us free from a life cycle that is constantly barraged by stress and overexhaustion and how that's not actually um, the, the, the heart of God, is not for us to live our lives for. 70, 80, 90 years, constantly worried and stressed out because of all sorts of different things, and then just ceasing to be. And then one day, one day, finally, maybe we get to breathe deeply with God. So there's something more to that. But the question is, who and what are actually forming us while we live these lives? Because everybody's discipled. So everybody's taught by something or somebody. So who are you taught by? Right? Like... Are you, like, there's family of origin, right? They teach us a lot. There's, there's media and pop culture and 24-hour news cycles. Let's give that one a big one. And social media, all of these things, right? Um, there's our religious heritage and tradition, Let's not act like that's all snow cones and rainbows, right? Sometimes we're taught by all these different things, um, national identity and values. Woo, that's a big one. Let's just keep that all right here. Our national identity and values often teach us how we're supposed to be in the world, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to think about other people. And so the question is, where, where, does, uh, where does Jesus end up fitting into your pie chart of influence, all right? And this is a big, big hint. This is a faulty approach, all right? Because what we really want, take our little elephant eraser. What we really want is we want Jesus, obviously, this is not surprising. Some of you should be rolling your eyes because this is such a waste of time to start a sermon. But um, we should be looking and saying Jesus is the center influencer and formation in how we interpret everything else around us, how we interpret our faith tradition, how we interpret our national identity, how we interpret social media and the news cycles and all of that stuff. 
even how we look at our own family of origin and how it formed us. Who speaks most regularly and most loudly to you? The answer will determine the groundedness of your soul because all the rest of these things, man, they can stress you out a whole lot. Whole, whole lot. So, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about stress cycles and how we need to understand that Jesus wants to help us complete our stress cycles so that we can move forward in life, all right? And the Lord's Prayer is a, a brilliantly helpful tool in, um, in kind of recentering us toward that. And then last week, Dwayne talked about how one way to, um, to allow Jesus to move us out of our kind of cycles of stuckness and stagnation and stress is to be more purposeful, is actually to keep moving in our lives, that, that uh, instead of just stopping and saying, oh, I'm so tired, to move with purpose is one of the ways that God actually restores our souls, right? So it's really, really helpful there. We move beyond excuses or external pressures. We don't get hung up on the past more than necessary. We choose to keep moving where Jesus leads. So that was a lot about dealing with the externals um, that, that bring us stress. So today, I want to go back to the state of the heart once again, uh, kind of inviting the Spirit of God to speak more loudly than anything else, any of the other inputs uh, in, in our lives. And so I want us to move toward a place of wholeness and groundedness, not just learning about that, but actually practicing that a little bit today. Um, a place of peace, a place of rest. We long for that, right? We long for places of rest and peace not just in our schedules, but in the deep places of our souls. <clears throat> it, this is something that is not new. Listen to this in Psalm 55. Such an interesting, such a beautiful, interesting passage. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me. And I'm distraught because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked for they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. What a beautiful poetic statement. What a beautifully honest statement. Oh, I wish, I am so stressed out, I wish I could fly like a dove and just get out of here and go someplace completely new, completely different, where I didn't have to deal with all the things that I have to deal with. I am hurting God. Can we notice, please, that David totally indulges in the exhaustion here? We want people to go to, like, the next part of, like, but God, you're so good, and I'm so thankful. And David like spends 80% just laying it all out with how exhausted and how overwhelmed he is. He totally indulges in it. We, we, have, no, um, we have no capacity often in the Christian church to be able to indulge in our exhaustion, to be able to just lay it out there because it feels so wrong. It feels sinful. It feels like we're not allowed to, to, to talk about how difficult life is. And so we kind of keep it bottled up, and then it, it manifests itself in really horrible ways toward the people that we love the most. Uh, but, but just take a look at how important acknowledging weariness does seem to be in the scriptures before actually receiving the gift and the grace of God. Uh, the Psalms certainly don't shy away from it, but very often we do. Uh, it, it's fascinating. This week, um, Greg, who is the director of operations here, kind of like um, 
hand in hand with Jose, they lead this place. <laughs> and, uh, and we were texting about something. Let's see if I can find it because I didn't copy it. Here it is. Um, oh, oh, I was in here because uh, I was doing some setup early because they had off school this week. And, uh, and he said something about, um, oh, he said, hope you're well. He said, hope you're well after we, we um, did this. And I said, I'm great, Greg. I hope things are well with you too. We got to catch up soon. And then two minutes later, I said, text him back, and I said, and, and when I say great, I mostly mean exhausted, beat up, constantly overwhelmed by the state of reality, but alive and thankful. And he, he said, LOL, I get it. And, and you know, like, that's, that's the thing. I'm like, you know, I, I'm great on some levels, but I'm also super tired on a lot of levels. And maybe one step forward in moving, in spiritual formation is moving toward honesty more about these, these basic things so that we can open ourselves up to actually receive. We've got to acknowledge the weariness sometimes. But as we acknowledge the weariness, what really stuck with me, especially as I was playing around with the Psalms and stuff, is, uh, is what we see in Psalm 116. And we'll throw it up on the screen. Um, Psalm 116, verse 7, is a very similar passage to uh, Psalm 55 that I read to you. He's talking about all the stresses of, of his life going on, but then he starts to talk about the, the truth of God's love and care. And he says, he writes this, Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. And it's, it's very interesting because it's in the midst of a lot of things where you could interpret that depending on what your theology looks like as the Lord has not been good to me. The Lord is making my life very hard. The Lord is bringing enemies in front of me and I have to deal with them all day. Because that's often what we do when we think that God's pulling all the strings, right? We, we attribute all of the evil in the world to God too and because we, we misinterpret the phrase God is in control sometimes. And so we use that to say, well, God's just bringing all this stuff and I'm angry at God. I'm angry at God because my life hasn't worked out. But yet something within the psalmist that was deeper than his life circumstances pointed him to the reality that the soul could be at rest because God is good, maybe in ways that are even beyond the circumstances that we face in life. And that is really, really crucial to everything that we're going to talk about this morning, okay? Um, the, the idea that there is a rest that is possible because of the character of God, not the situations that we find ourselves in, all right? Um, my kids aren't in the room, so I can talk about them a little bit more. I, I don't ever throw them under the bus, but I won't say who this is. But we have one child that every few months, in the middle of the night, just gets up randomly and has no idea that they're getting up. And they come into the bedroom. They don't knock. They never knock. Um, they just blast the door open. It's a terrifying thing, really. Um, and, uh, and they're all worried. I, I'm so sorry. And they keep saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've got to, I've got to, um, and then they mumble and there's nothing that they have to do, but they need to, they, they, I'm so sorry. I just need to, uh, da, 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 da. and, and what I say is, Hey, you're fine. You don't need to do anything right now. You can go back to bed and rest. And I say the same thing. Sometimes I hold them by the shoulders and say it directly into their face, very loudly and clearly. You are fine. You can go back and rest. You don't need to accomplish anything. Okay, okay, okay. Then they go back, and then it's another eight weeks and 12 weeks before the same random thing happens again. But, but this is kind of like a microcosm of, of, of us too, right? Like we need sometimes the reassuring element that when our minds are going overly crazy, we are still allowed to rest in something, all right? Um, that you don't need to do anything. We get confused like that, right? Just needing reassurance. We need to hear a voice of authority say, peace, peace, I give you. <laughs> Not in the way the world does. It's the words of Jesus, right? 
You have permission to rest because you are enough right now. Nothing needs to be done. And you might say, well, that's not true. Many things need to be done, right? The house needs to be cleaned. The paycheck needs to be earned. The world needs to be made right, darn it. I got work to do. And, and it's, it's true. It just doesn't all depend on, on you. And it doesn't all need to happen every day. And if you think it does, you might actually be a part of making things worse in the world. Because you're ignoring what God has spoken to you about your identity and about your own need for deep rest. So there are a few um, internal shifts that can lead us to better receive what God intends to be uh, a gift to us. So, so um, which, which is this, this soul rest. So I want us to think about a couple of them here, and I'm just going to leave this up on the screen um, for you to just be reminded throughout this message, and then we'll, we'll hop off to a couple other passages. But, um, but to, to be relieved from the, the, a world that kind of bounces from one stress to another, we, we're talking about this conversation running on empty, right? Um, where we often feel like that. So here are some ways that Jesus says, well, you've heard, but I'm going to tell you something new. How, how the, the character of God flips things on their heads so that we can live a bit more filled up. The first one is, is interesting, and it's kind of related to, to all of this. And the first one is, uh, is just simply unhitching our identity. Um, and these aren't super clever or creative. They're just hopefully true. Um, so when I say unhitching our identity, what I mean is... Oops, I identify. There we go. What I mean is who are you when you're not playing one of the roles that you've been given in your life? Who are you when you're not productive? And I don't mean like who are you like integrity-wise, like how do you behave? What I mean is do you actually know who you are when your identity isn't linked to your job, your family, or your activities? Do you have a sense of, of who you are? in the moments where you have nothing to actually do. Um, this is one of the main reasons that we go through crises when we lose a job or, or um, we lose a family member or brutal divorce happens. Our identity is linked so much in our roles that we have no idea who we are on the other side of it. It's not all bad and it's not all something that we can avoid. But, but sometimes the only identity that we have is linked to these things that we do or these roles that we play in our lives. Um, so there's a, the pain of the event itself, but there's also this massive identity crisis that we go through. Who am I, right, if I'm not a teacher or a business person or a parent with kids in the house anymore? Uh, we, don't, we don't realize how, how much we stake our meaning and our roles to our productivity and how deeply exhausting that can be to our spirits. We don't understand that it's not, um, that, that if it's not around, we'll, we'll move into chaos really quickly until, or we'll keep into that role until it consumes us and brings its own problems in other areas of our lives, like when work takes over or when you are actually incapable of being away from your kids and, and having your identity without them or um, any number of other things. You're an athlete like I am and you get injured and you're like, oh no, how can I be happy if I can't run? Because I love running. You know, like we all have these different things that God needs to speak to us about the depth of our identity. You are a child of God. My people is the phrase that God uses over and over again in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, Jesus uses familial language, brothers, family. 
And so, so we get this, this understanding that we are linked to Jesus, that we are gods. We are a child of God. We have absolute, infinite value, and we're enough. So just go ahead and take a really deep breath in. Right now, take a really deep breath in. And being a child of God is God declaring that you are mine, that my love is not up for grabs, and that you are enough. Rest is a gift to receive when we realize that we are God's children. There are various ways that we fill our tanks up when exhaustion and stress empty us out, but it has to start with a deep understanding of who we are. It has to start with identity stuff. We are Jesus' people, we are created in the image of God, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. When that is the case, then whatever the circumstances are that are presenting themselves, they, they lose their power to steal our identity. They lose their power to make us say that I can never rest. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is a bit more practical. And the second thing is uh, leaving things undone. God wants to move us into a place of soul rest by giving us permission to leave things undone. Uh, in, uh, in, in the book of Mark, there's this story with Jesus and his disciples in Mark 6. We'll throw it up here. Um, and uh, do we have it? Can you hit that? My, my little thing's not working again, sir. All right, so, and here's what's happening. Uh, the apostles gathered around Jesus and they reported to him all they had done and taught. So it starts with a situation where the disciples are saying, here's what I've done. Here's what I've been doing, all right? It's all about their actions, okay? So they're saying, we've been doing this, we've been doing this, we've been doing this. And, and, and it's been going well, or people haven't been receiving it. For the most part, it's a good story at this point. Then, because many, so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he says to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Okay? So the, the declaration that Jesus gives is, you've had a lot going on. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now look what happens next. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns to get there ahead of them. So other people are like, oh, we still have needs. We still have needs where we want to hear more. We want, um, we want to, to be healed. We want to hear uh, more of this, and there's organization that has to happen. And they get over to this place that Jesus designed for rest. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. But what do you notice the shift being? The disciples do come back into the story later. But in the midst of this kind of team effort where everybody's doing stuff, Jesus says, you get some rest. And as far as we can tell in this little glimpse of a story, he says, you can still rest. I know their needs. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to teach them now. Now later, when the day gets later, Everybody gets hungry, and that's when the famous you give them something to eat statement comes. So there's a time for them to get back involved. But as far as we can tell, Jesus was like, yeah, I get, I get that they're coming, I get there's needs, but you guys, you have permission to just let me take this. When we learn that Jesus gives us permission to leave things undone, that's us acting in faith that Jesus is still at work, but that we can actually stop. There's a significant difference between us and Jesus in this way. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, we, we can be ambassadors of the Savior, but we cannot be the Savior himself. And, and that's a, a crucial thing, that distinction. Embracing things like, uh, 
like sleep, for example. Very non-spiritual thing, right? Sleep. Uh, that's, that's, that's not true at all. Um, but, but sleep, for example, being something that we say, you know, we're not going to cheat on that. It, it's fascinating. Um, that can actually be a spiritual practice. I'm not very good at that one. Um, but according to medieval theology, did you know that humans' need for sleep was a divine punishment for the fall of man and a daily reminder to mankind of their sinfulness, weakness, and imperfection? Okay? Sleep was not being productive for God, so sleep is seen in this really negative light. This was affirmed by St. Augustine and other people. Like, that was how they looked at, at this understanding. Um, and yet, Psalm 127, verse 2, says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. In other words, rest is a gift. Rest can be a gift. You think that it all depends on you, but there can, you can just stop. Receive the gift. You know, this is what the, the Sabbath is all about. Um, the gift of Sabbath is, is about embracing our own limits. Saying, we are allowed to rest from our work even when things aren't completed, even when everything isn't figured out, and we are actually able to be at peace in the midst of it because the gift of limits is something that we don't need to be ashamed of. And there's such beauty there. I mean, just, just think if we embraced this, right? You know, when you think about your strengths, how many of you think, you know, one of my real strengths is my, my limitedness? Yeah, I'm a really limited person. By the way, I'm, I'm no expert in job interviews, but uh, I think telling your potential employee or your potential, potential employer how limited you are uh, will really set you apart from other applicants. You know, I know when to stop even when things are left undone. Get you a job offer right away. But seriously, like learning to be okay with our limits, learning when to stop, Learning when to shut up, learning when to let go of things or let them wait, that is growing in spiritual maturity. And that is very, very countercultural to American productivity that we are around. Accomplish your way to your identity. Going back to the first thing. Um, but you'll find that your times are, of rest are much more fulfilling when you are okay with things being left undone. In fact, you'll find that the rest is actually possible because many of you, you won't even rest while things are left undone. And now we do, we all have responsibilities. We all have roles. For parents, we're not going to say, you know, I, I should have fed the kids today. But Keith said that part of spiritual maturity is leaving things undone. Please don't misinterpret that we have roles to care for one another, but sometimes we take that so far that we miss out on God's gift. Um, so we need, we need God to, uh, to help us all there. <sighs> Don't let your hearts be troubled, Jesus says in John 14. Believe in God, believe also in me. That's a trust statement. Trust me, trust me. Think of, it saying, think of him saying this, trust me on this, guys. You're allowed to be at peace. You're allowed to mentally exhale and I will bear the rest. Trust me. All right, so God wants our souls to be at rest. But this includes when we're not actually like done with our work day or, or our day of labor, heading for sleep or a day off or on vacation, right? Uh, so let's talk about work for a minute here as our final internal shift, all right? So, um, so uh, or at least whatever the work is, when I say work, please, please define that broadly, all right? So whatever work is that fills your day, each of you has your own work, even if you don't have a paid job, um, but whatever your work is, whatever fills your day, the final internal shift is um, yoking your work to Jesus, and I'm using a weird, archaic word there on purpose, 
Yoking your work to Jesus is a part of learning to have a soul that's at rest. So, um, I think Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 is super, super interesting. And, and in it, we've often, I think, interpreted it maybe, maybe a little bit wrong. So Jesus says, come to me, all, anyone who's weary or burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Then he uses this phrase, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what we do is we say, this is all about Jesus saying, come to me and find rest, but it's not. It's about Jesus saying, come to me and work restfully alongside me, all right? And we, I think it's probably three years since we talked about this, but a yoke, Jesus is using double meaning. This, this word here, a yoke was a rabbi's teachings. And so a set of teachings or interpretations of the law was the rabbi's yoke. So you would, as a disciple, learning from a specific rabbi, and everybody learned from a specific rabbi, you would take on that rabbi's yoke. You would receive their interpretation of the scriptures, their teaching of how to apply it, okay? But the yoke was also a tool that was used in agriculture, where oxen would, would be given a yoke, two oxen to pull, and an older oxen, a more experienced, stronger oxen, would be yoked with a younger one. And the younger, smaller oxen would then learn the rhythms of, being, of, of productivity, but they wouldn't be able to rush ahead, uh, but they also wouldn't be crushed by the weight of it all. The older, more experienced oxen, or ox, just one, right? The ox, the older ox would bear that load for the younger one while it learned those rhythms. So Jesus is saying, come to me and I will teach you rhythms where you can work in a way where you don't experience the weight of the whole world, but you're still doing stuff. You're still doing what I'm calling you to do. And so it's about, it's about the way that which we, we go about our days and accomplish something. It's not about, um, it's not about just taking a break from it all learning to do things in, in step with Jesus in such a way that changes even how we experience our daily work. I love this because it involves both our attitudes and our actions as we go about the day. So learning to, to yoke ourselves and yoke our work with Jesus says, okay, Lord, I want to walk with you, which will change maybe the direction or the attitude that some of our work actually takes where we go, the types of things that we might do with our day, the ways that we respond to people. It's not just that Jesus will give us peace as we walk, it's that we might respond to people with more graciousness, with more patience, with more kindness, with more gentleness. When someone mistreats us, we remember that we're yoked with Jesus, and he's the one teaching us how to handle all of these things. So there's a rest for our souls that doesn't come uh, when we respond in the ways that the rest of the world responds to situations and people. Such beauty there. Okay, so enough with that. Here's what we're going to do. It's just going to be really brief. We're going to, enough with the information. We're just going to do some, some formation right now, just for a moment. So I just want you to go ahead and uh, take a deep breath. Close your eyes if, it's, if that's helpful. I'd encourage you to. Um, and we're just going to do a, a three-part imaginative exercise for maybe a minute each before we do a little bit of dialogue. And, uh, and so what we're going to start with is just simply resting in God in this moment. Take a moment to hear the phrase, I am a child of God. 
to hear the phrase, for God so loved all of creation. Take a moment to hear that the Lord is the everlasting God who doesn't grow weak or weary, but who gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless, that you are not alone. Just take a moment and delight in the fact that you're loved. Consider just for a second the radical, radical truth that the Spirit of Christ, as we open ourselves up to Jesus, the Spirit of Christ is given to us. Within you right now dwells the Spirit of Christ, if you welcome it. Think about how that changes how you think about yourself and all the things you have to do this week. Just think about how that changes. You can even smile. No one's looking at you. As you think about the love that God has, how Jesus considers you a sister, a brother. So the second, as we move from just resting in the presence of Jesus right now, the second is to receive permission from Jesus on what to leave undone. Consider the things that weigh heavily on you and ask Jesus, what can I leave undone today and pick up again tomorrow? See if there's anything that kind of keeps circling around in your mind as a primary stressor. What element of that is Jesus giving you permission to just lay down at his feet for a few hours, for a day, to trust that he can do things when we don't. Let's take a moment and see if anything arises. And the third little moment here, is to go ahead and imagine the tasks that you have before you this week. Look at the work that you're going to be doing, and now imagine yourself with Jesus walking by your side a half step in front of you, doing the tasks with you, leading the way. Imagine that. Which things would Jesus say? Why are we doing this? We don't need to be doing this. And which things would Jesus say? Hey, let me, let me bear this, but you come along. Just let the, even the image of Jesus walking alongside you in your job, in your parenting, in relating to your loved ones, in whatever tasks you have to do this week, just let the image of Jesus walking with you, standing with you, helping you, let that speak to the weight of the week ahead. 
Let it lighten your load. Take a deep breath in again. Imagining the spirit, and then just as you exhale, just seal that and invite Jesus to continue to bring these things to your mind throughout the week. As we, uh, you can go ahead and open your eyes. As we shift a little bit, um, I just want to offer maybe a, an encouragement and a little bit of a disclaimer. Anybody can find rest uh, in their spirits with Jesus in any situation. I believe that. But certain practices of rest, practices of Sabbath and silence and time, not everybody has that, that abundance. So as the body of Christ, we actually have a calling to look around and say, where can I be a channel of God's rest for others? Where in my life do I have an abundance? Time, money, space, skills, that someone else might be totally tapped out, and when I offer that to them, I actually become an agent of God's rest to them. You may have an extra amount of time on your hands because of your life situation, and somebody else is tapped out with parenting or with job or family stress, and you say, hey, here's one way I can give you a couple hours. Can I do that for you? Whatever that case might look like, that's an important thing to talk about when we talk about how God gives soul rest. Often God will use each other as the body of Christ to provide the margin that some of us may have extra and some of us may have a lack. So, so this is not an individual exercise on its own. We have this calling. Um, God's gift of rest rhythms are intended for all of us, but we got to work creatively to make it happen sometimes. That's one more reason why community is so important. And I see it happen here all the time. So friends, keep it up. All right, we bear each other's burdens and we give each other God's rest, and it's beautiful. Jesus be with us as we go on and make this stuff real in our lives. Amen. Okay, so here's